Okay, we're going to be in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, the last part, and I figured out what we can do is uh, from 11 to uh, 22, that would be four verses apiece. So I'm, I'll open in prayer, and then we'll figure out our reading. Lord, I just want to thank you that we can study your word again, and read your word and and it says to, that we are to read your word to show ourselves approved to study it lord and to try to understand what it says and lord it's so so wonderful to know that you're a gracious god that you love us that you're not uh an angry god uh but you get angry at sin but you love the sinners and we thank you for that Thank you for sending your son to Calvary to die for our sins. We thank you with all our hearts. We ask you now to bless our time. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, I think we'll start out with Ron. Uh, Ron, you want to read from 11 to 14? Okay. And then, uh, Dan, you can read from 15 to 18 that's a one two. yeah yeah one two yeah okay yeah uh, 15 to 18 and then i'll i'll finish off the chapter then so start us off around verse 11 therefore remember that you once gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without christ being aliens from the commonwealth of israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without god in the world but now in christ jesus you who once were far off have been made near by the blood of christ <clears throat> Read verse 14 too. Okay. For he made for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of division between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments <clears throat> contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them which were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit into the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in which the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit amen amen, amen. well this this portion that we're looking at tonight is really uh the fact that we are one in christ that we have been brought uh to the household of god that we are members of Christ's body, which is called the church. And I don't like that interpretation. I don't think the word church is very good. It's uh, uh, ecclesia, ecclesio or ecclesias. I, I, it's the Greek word. And it should be translated assembly. Yeah, the group of uh, believers that are joined together, and uh, the word church has been so 
misused in the meaning. You know, things things change uh, over time. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, the word scripture. In Christ's days, during the apostles, they were just putting together the New Testament. And every time it refers to scripture in the New Testament, it's referring to the Old Testament, the old writings of the prophets and Moses and Psalms and the Book of Wisdom and 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 all those books. And uh, as time went on and the New Testament became part of the scriptures, now in our day, when we refer to the word scripture, we refer to both the Old and the New Testament. It's right. all the scriptures. But <clears throat> if, in reading the New Testament, though, you have to realize the scriptures that they're talking about is always the Old Testament until everything was put together and the Bible was uh, all thought out and which book should be in the Bible. And uh, so anyway, that's that's one example of word changes. But uh, when we hear the word church, there's so many times we say, well, uh, it's Sunday, we're going to church. And that's not that's not a <laughs> that's not a good statement because we don't go to church. We are the church. And Amen. yeah, we go to a building where the church is gathered, <laughs> the people. The church is made up of living stones. So I like the word assembly, the assembling of the believers. That's and they're usually in a building or someplace in a home or you can assemble in a park <laughs> outdoors indoors it don't make any difference where two or three are gathered in my name there i am in the midst and that's what uh what the church is all about what we call the church today yeah the verse 11 it starts out telling us um that uh we the gentiles were um, called uncircumcision that was a non-flattering term it was a term that was not meant to flatter the gentiles but it says they were called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands and what we have is the pride of the uh, nation the the judaizers and the people who were in the uh, Pharisee who thought they were a rung above everybody else because of their pedigree, because of their heritage, and because of their circumcision. But we see in the Old Testament that God tells them to circumcise their hearts and not their flesh. And so <clears throat> the circumcision here is, is actually a physical thing that represents a spiritual thing. And um, but the Gentiles were ridiculed. They were far away. I, um, I, I really, <clears throat> it wasn't until I got to a controversy online about um, what happened in Acts chapters 10 through 15 that I didn't appreciate um, the context of um, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, um, the um, verse 11 makes it plain that uh, this epistle was written not to the Jewish church, not to the, um, not to the traditional Jerusalem folks, but that it says, to, uh, therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh. Um, and this is, this was written according to the scholars around AD 60 to 61 the last record of the Jewish believers and the apostles James and Paul keeping the law is in Acts 21 which is AD 56 and so 
Acts 15, the Holy Spirit and the apostles released the, the Gentile believers from having to keep most of the law of Moses. Acts 21 shows us that James, Paul, and all the apostles are still keeping the law, not for salvation, but for good works. Uh, and so you, you have in Acts 21, the uh, apostles and the Jewish church still keeping the law, not for salvation, but for good works. And the Gentiles being freed for most of it. And so when you get to Ephesians, which is possibly four, three to four years after that, and you still have the uh, distinction made. Uh, Philippians makes the, the distinction. Colossians makes the distinction um, that they were written to the Gentile church. Uh, it it is refreshing to me to see that the Gentile church and the Jewish believers were able to be one in Christ and one in fellowship, even though the Jewish believers were still keeping most of the law with the apostles, and even though the Gentile believers had been released from keeping most of the law, that they were able to be in fellowship. And I am so thankful that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10 the instructions on how the Jewish believers are to fellowship with the Gentile believers. And the acts of consideration, love, uh, and compassion that's to be shown each to the other, making allowance for their differences and their their um, their their difference practice. Um, it's just fascinating that they were able to have the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, given such distinct ways of Christian living. Uh, it just is amazing to me knowing how uh, the Jews are such sticklers for detail about observing the law. Mm -hmm. We see in uh, verse 12 there the position of uh, the Gentiles that were, uh, they were um, without Christ in verse 12. And we see four things. There in that verse 12, they were aliens, we're strangers, we had no hope, and we were without God in the world. An alien is one who um, is not in his own land. Right. One, one who is <clears throat> a stranger is one who is not at home. He's one who is uh, traversing once again, in a, a strange set of circumstances, but the most important here is having no hope mm -hmm. and with Christ or without God in the world. We were without hope. There was no hope for a Gentile before the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, there, yes, there was um, proselytes. Yes, there was those. There were those who were. Um, became Jewish, Gentiles who became Jews. And there was uh, Greeks, Jews that became Greeks. and But <clears throat> without Christ, we were aliens, we were strangers, we were without hope, and we were without God. Mm -hmm. But now, we get to verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. See that anything that unites the Jew and the Gentile is through the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. Verse 14, for he is our peace. I was active in the civil rights movement. I got involved in 1960 with Dr. King. I was a the uh, college age Sunday school in a black Baptist church. That was fun. Um, and I really got to see um, the kind of division that exists between black and white and between Jew and Gentile here in Ephesians. And uh, I am a witness that Christ was our peace. Um, one time the uh, pastor of the uh, one of the black 
Baptist churches I was attending, uh, he knew that one of his deans, deacons, had a real problem racially, interracially, dealing with uh, uh, Caucasians. Um, and so what he did, he was conducting a, um, uh, a training session to prepare us for, to serve better in the church. And he knew that this black guy had a problem with white Christians. And so he paired this guy off and the, and the instructions were stand arms distance apart, you know, a foot or two apart, face to face, don't say a word for five minutes. Now, I don't know if you can imagine what that's like, but it was the longest five minutes I think I've ever experienced in my life. But it was amazing that at the beginning of the five minutes, he his looks at me were not friendly. <laughs> By the end of the five minutes, we were okay, and we became friends after that. But the, the, the thing we both admitted and agreed was that Christ enabled him to step out of his bitterness and me to um, not mind about racial differences. And so um, I, I'm just, I'm so thankful that he is our peace. Mm -hmm. Black and white, between Jew and Gentile, you know, he is the, the he is what, he is the glue that holds us together. Uh, yeah. He is the catalyst that blends us together in one. Even though the Jews had their uh, observances, the Gentiles did not. Um, black people have their traditions, and, and white uh, Baptists have their traditions. But we are able to come together, one in the Spirit, by the Spirit, by Jesus Christ. He, for He is our peace, and in Him we have peace. Amen. You know, I was going to say when Dan was sharing uh, about in verse 11 about the Gentiles and how being uncircumcised and how the Jews were trying to bring them uh, under the law, right. telling, telling the Gentiles that they had to be circumcised. Yeah. And then you shared out of the book of Acts, you know, it all fits together when you think about it. When these epistles, seeing we're going through all these epistles, you know, in Galatians, now we're in Ephesians, and they got Philippians and Colossians and stuff. Uh, when you think about these epistles, these letters were shared among the churches. That's right. And what was happening in one church was actually happening in another church. Yep. Uh, I mean, like, if we read the book of uh, Galatians, which we did, we can apply that book even to the Ephesians and to the Colossians and to the Philippians. Right. The simple fact that the known world at that time, we, we don't think about it like now we get news, we get it from all over the world, we know what's going on. Back then it had to be word of mouth and, and people had to travel a distance, but they shared these letters in the churches so when we read the the letter to the Ephesians, we can apply it to all the churches in uh, uh, Asia at that time. Uh, and a lot of them were located in known Turkey today. And if you travel over there, you they know exactly where these churches were. So, right. and then one more thing, uh, when you think about uh the Jews and the Gentiles and we're gonna look at that verse where the, the wall of uh partition was taken down uh, let's see which verse was that here uh, okay household of God building a foundation no that's not it it's up here by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. In other words, the Jew and the and the Gentile. And I'm looking at uh, verse 15 uh, to make peace, like you said, uh, and 
might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off uh, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, uh, built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together, grow into the holy temple of the Lord. And then back uh, in uh, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you were one who were far off and being brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. You see where we were uh, strangers to the covenant of promise with no hope without God. But now in Christ Jesus, you are uh, brought near, you're made one. The point being the fact that there's neither Jew nor Gentile. We're called Christians at Antioch. That's the first place they call them Christians. Christ ones is really what it means. So when you meet with the Jewish believer, uh, he's no longer a Jewish believer. He's a believer. And right. when a Jew meets with a Gentile uh, believer, he's no longer a Gentile believer. He's just a believer. Right. One time we got together with some Jewish Christians and they acted like they were Jewish. They were holding their traditions. They had their little beanie on. They sang Jewish music and they sang in Hebrew and uh, it, it was it was nice. It was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And I don't mind them doing the culture. But when push came to shove, we were both on the same level. Right. That 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 partition is taken down. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. We're all one in Christ. And uh, you got to try to get that point across. Like you said, Ron, you became friends after, afterwards. And that's, we are to have peace with one another. Right. Uh, and I know there's an organization called Jews for Jesus. Right. Uh, and uh, there's some great brothers in the Lord. Yes, they hold some of their traditions because of their culture and their background but they're no longer really jews when it comes to believing in christ uh we're all the same we're all on the same level amen the uh the thought of enmity there in 15 is um open conflict and uh, so there was, uh, but we see that the enmity is abolished in Christ. You know, the mm -hmm. open hostility is a, is abolished in Christ, and He makes out of two one. And we see that verse sixteen that He might reconcile once again. Now that's to reconcile means to have the the same bottom line. It's an accounting term, and the two figures, the two columns of figures, have to match at the end of the day. And so we see that um, he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. And we are the body of Christ. And as we see a little further down, that we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Here, the uh, assembly is referred to as being a building. Um, in, I believe it's Colossians, we read that um, the 
the church is or the assembly is with as a body and mm. um, all the members are necessary amen yeah when we went through uh galatians if you remember uh and paul had said why are you trying to put the gentiles under the law we can't even obey the law <laughs> You know, and uh, we are actually uh, relieved of that pressure of the law. We live by the law of Christ is what we live by. But it says in uh, Galatians 3.12, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live in them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Christ bore the curse of the law, so we don't have to bear it. Now, we are not under law, but the law is not abolished. Christ came and fulfilled the law, and that's the difference. And uh, if we, as Gentiles, if the Jews tried to put us under law, uh, the ones that are practicing Judaism is the ones that are doing it. I don't think our fellow brothers in Christ who are Jewish are doing it. Uh, but they can still fall into that error too. Uh, but I have never met a Jewish believer that told me I had to be circumcised and I had to obey the law. And when I think about circumcision, it became the norm uh, all over the world. I mean, there's very few that don't practice it now, whether Jew or uh, Gentile. And the reason for that it is, and my mother told me the reason that I was circumcised was that for cleanliness. And that's what a lot of people look at. You know, they look at circumcision as something good and that, we should practice it today. And the Jews practice it back then, you know. You know, uh, Acts 15 and Acts 21, um, in releasing the Gentiles from keeping the law, the apostles said that the sexual, sexual morality laws of the law came into the church. Um, in Acts 15 and Acts 21, Paul, James, they all agreed that the uh, Gentiles were to observe the sexual morality and immorality laws of the Old Testament. And if the church dared to do that today, we wouldn't have this, uh, this horrible uh, thing that's happening of the church accepting homosexuals, transgender, uh, the... Uh, 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 the one night stands, the uh, sex for fun, sex for friendship kind of stuff, uh, because uh, the spirit makes it clear in Acts 15, Acts 21, that the morality, the sexual morality laws of the Old Testament are abiding, are, are remain for today, and the church isn't teaching that. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I got saved at age 12. I was a horny little toad. My dad had me hooked on pornography by age 10. Um, I got saved at age 12. But at age 15, the battle had begun. And uh, I, um, I realized that there was a problem. I went to my pastor. I said, Pastor, what do I do? I'm 15 years old. I love the Lord. I'm a youth leader. I'm a Bible club leader. But I'm horny as a toad. Uh, what do I do? And the, the, my pastor told me, look at me seriously, straight in the face, pray more, exercise more, take cold showers, yeah. and, 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 and pray. Yeah. He, he looked me in the face and told me that that was what I was. Now, I found out later, um, because the King James obscured the passages that uh, set me free, uh, but finally, when I, uh, the Amplified gave me the first peak, and how I how I had misread the scriptures, but then when the uh, Schofield Bible came out, 
with its notes, I, I began to see that what my pastor told me was wrong and that there was a word to me, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, if you do not control yourself, you must marry. That's the Holy Spirit. That's New Testament. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9. And nobody, even when I got into college, nobody told me the, about the command in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, that if you do not control yourself, if you do not abstain from sexual immorality, you must marry. And they, I had to find out the hard way after um, messing up my own life and messing up the lives of other people mm -hmm. and not teaching the Bible correctly. Um, yeah. uh, it grieves me. It grieves me how the church dodges the bullet and refuses to teach the truth. Can I can I can I make one correction? Uh, yeah, please. Refer when you're referring to the church, refer to Christendom because yes. it's not the church really. The yes. church is us, you know, right. the believers. And and a true believer is not going to tell you something contrary to the Word of God unless right. he's in error. And and we can make errors, but if you refer to like pastors of denominations and stuff that's all part of christendom right. now that's not right. saying that there's not christians in these churches because there are but the the ones that are running these organizations and that's what they are an organization are not really the church of of jesus christ they're not part of his body they're part of christendom and if you read all the uh the parables you will see all of Christendom in there, the yep. good and the evil, you know, the wheat and the tares and so forth. I, I just wanted to, I, 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 I'm not really trying to no, disregard I agree. what you're saying. I'm just trying to say that when you refer to the church, just refer to it as Christendom because that's what it is. And, you know, it's, it's just like you're saying, looking at verse, um, verse, come on, 21, in whom... The whole building being flowing together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, there was much ado about building a physical temple in Jerusalem. But in the New Testament, there's not one word about building a church building, about building a building that will be called a church. That's not in the New Testament. You don't find one word about uh, the fundraising to build a church. To build uh, a new a new church a new sanctuary, yeah. it's not in the Bible. The, yeah. the temple now is in the Lord. The mm -hmm. temple we are the temple the we the body the are, are we the body are members of the invisible temple body of Christ. First yeah. Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. Not your own, but you are bought with a price. Therefore, Amen. glorify your body and in your soul, which are Christ. And we see, too, that um, once again, that uh, he makes peace in his own body. And uh, that we're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. And when we talk about his body, he... Uh, where was that? He oh, he abolished the enmity in verse um, in um, verse fifteen. But we go down um, to sixteen, having slain the enmity thereby. We see in Galatians two twenty, I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, right. the less I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we see that, you know, we are to reckon ourselves crucified with Christ, which would be dead. Right. And we're dead to the old and alive to the new. Mm. Amen. You know, uh the christendom and i'm i'm not going to make the same mistake and say the church <laughs> right right but christendom has believed that the church is replaced israel 
Now there's one denomination that practices this all the they practices all the Old Testament things with the priest and the garments and all that stuff. Uh, they're wrong. The church did not replace Israel. Right. Israel or the Jew and the Gentile became one in the body of Christ. Right. Now there are even those that uh and and I and I don't want to put anybody down. I've got some great brothers in the Lord that believe this replacement theology. Yeah. That's right. I don't know where you guys stand on it, but uh I just I don't believe that the church has replaced Israel. Amen. God is not Amen. done with Israel yet. Israel is God's earthly people. Right. No. I I think you'd have great difficulty uh, if you read the Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and a few more of the minor prophets. You have a great difficult time not seeing that God is going to regather Israel. He has a remnant, and they will be regathered. There's they're they're going to go through some terrible terrible times it's called the time of jacob's trouble and i believe that that's what the tribulation is actually is the time of jacob's trouble where god um, sifts his people israel and he brings them back to him mm -hmm. and then we see in zechariah uh, see i think it's Zach yes zechariah um I believe it's around 10 or 12. I'd have to look it up. But anyway, um, we see the Lord makes himself known to the nation. And they say, what are these wounds which you have in your hands and your side? Those which I received in the house of friends. They look on him whom they have pierced. And, you know, it will be a, a real humbling time for the nation of Israel, but they've got, a, um, I, I don't subscribe to replacement theology. I think that it's something that, um, is erroneous and, um, they're, uh, yeah, but they, we have some good brothers in the Lord that actually believe in it and they will argue the point with you. But, uh, I, I just uh, don't see it in scripture. I really don't. Yeah, well, that's that's the whole point. You know, you gotta you gotta read the read the scripture, and mm -hmm. you know, have to basically rip the Old Testament out of the Bible and say it no longer is relevant to anything. But um, the Lord Jesus in John five thirty eight said, "Search the Scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me." And so the you know the Old Testament testified to the Lord Jesus, and there's a lot that we can glean from the Old Testament that gives us light in the New Testament. But our doctrine is based on the apostles' doctrine. You know, Acts two forty two. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in breaking of bread and in prayers, and. Uh, <clears throat> We see the um, the apostles' doctrine is revealed in Romans, First, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First, Second Thessalonians, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, First, Second Peter, First, Second, Third John, and the Book of Jude. And then we see in the Revelation the uh, culmination of all the annals of history yeah i had a post on facebook uh and i'm in all these different groups and stuff and one of them is uh men of god that's a facebook uh group there's a moderator on there that was disputing with me some of the things that i had put out there and i know that uh like he didn't believe in eternal security and there was some other stuff he didn't believe in. But I found he had a web page out there, but it was under a different name 
and I found it. And I start reading some of the doctrines that he was posting. And he was off in left field. Now, I believe he was a believer because uh, he had trusted in the blood of Christ for his salvation. Uh, but he didn't believe, he believed that that Jesus didn't die for forgiveness of sins. He believed that like Christ, when he said to people when he was still living, your sins are forgiven, that he had not died yet. So how could his death be applied to salvation for the forgiveness of sins? I mean, he was really off in left field. I, I, I should send you, I don't even want to, I, I don't want to send you the link because you might, I don't want you to fall into the same errors that he's in. But I argued with him. Finally, I just had to say, look at, uh, you're not, you're calling God a liar. Uh, just plain and simple. And I quoted the scriptures, my father who gives them to me, you know, nobody will snatch them out of his hand. That's eternal security. Yes, and sir. you're saying that you can lose your salvation and that those in, in the, the book of Revelation that's going through the tribulation, he said, well, they're part of the church. I said, I don't know how they can be while the marriage is going on in heaven. But he said that uh, they could take the mark and, and lose their salvation. That's not true. You're sealed. And he said, anybody can break a seal. <laughs> when God no. says something, you don't break it. Right. And, you know, he was saying things like this. So even Christians, and I truly believe this, can fall into error. That's why I I, I mentioned uh, uh, replacement theology, because I believe that some Christians have, uh, you know, bought into this. And they try to use scripture to prove it. But there's so much scripture that refutes it, you know. So we're, we're, we're going to run into problems where not all Christians are going to agree on every point. Right. But at the same time, uh, we can still love one another and uh, realize that uh, not everybody's going to think the way we do study the bible that's what i always say yeah but the issue here is um if if i have if if i am part of my salvation in other words if i have my own effort in my salvation then i can give up my salvation i can my efforts are what keeps me and i don't I don't know. I don't know if you've done Harry Ironsides, the best of Harry Irons. <laughs> I think I read every bit he had. Nine hundred and some writings I read by him. <laughs> I'll tell you, he's prolific. But anyway, in the in the best of uh, Harry Ironside, I think that's where I read it. Anyway, if it wasn't, it was. It's Harry Ironside. Maybe it was um, his book on assurance. Salv uh, he did one on assurance. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. And um, but anyway, he tells the story of Noah's Ark, and um, you know God commissioned Noah to build an ark, and he uh, brought all the animals, and Noah loaded the ark. And I mean, he, before Noah loaded the ark, God came to inspect the ark, and he walked up and down through the ark, and he looked it over, and he commended Noah for his fine workmanship and what a great job he did on the ark. He said, the only problem is you, you, you just got one more thing you got to add. He says, you got to put eight pegs on the side of this ark. And he says, that'll be for you and your wife, your three sons and their wives. And as long as you hang on, he said, you'll be safe. He says, no, that's not how he is. He said, they went in the ark and God shut the door. You know, they were in the ark, and we are in Christ. Yeah. It isn't my effort that saves me. It's the effort that the Lord Jesus Christ put forth at the cross that is my salvation. Amen. It finished work, not my effort. Yeah. You know, we, 
we just we just had uh, last week Romans, I mean Ephesians two, yeah, uh, seven, eight, and nine, ten, mm -hmm. eight and nine, eight and nine and ten. You know, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, you know, are we boasting in what I have done to receive my salvation? You know, I've done all these great things, and uh, you know, God owes me salvation. And we read in Matthew's gospel. Then I will say unto them, depart from me, for I know you not. Mm -hmm. As they're counting on their own works, their own efforts. Mm -hmm. and not, it's not by my effort that I am saved. It's by the grace of God and his mercy and his finished work at Calvary's cross. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if we did anything that was good then salvation isn't for us because salvation is for the ungodly and that's what we were we were ungodly so yeah well i believe yeah i believe it's romans 5 let me i'd have to check that but i think it's romans 5 or 4 romans 4 or 5 you can maybe help me there ron um if abraham worked then his son Yes. Is, um, yeah, is, and, and for it's Abraham was justified by faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, in fact, you think about it. Abraham was justified by faith before he was circumcised. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's Romans 4, 2. It says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Yeah. But says the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh the reward is not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Mm -hmm. That is so neat that we are a habitation of God by the Spirit. You know, that is so amazing. God is so amazing that he, he inhabits us his body of believers. We can't see it. can't see him. We can only see the evidence of his presence. But that's powerful evidence. That's powerful mm -hmm. evidence of his presence. Mm -hmm. And he talked about the many churches of people I like in verse 21 that the body joined together grows into a holy temple. There is one church. There is one holy temple by the Spirit, the habitation of God in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, if you want to build a dwelling place for God in this day and age, you got to read the last verse of this chapter. In him, you are being built together. The living stones that are being built together as a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. It's something we can't see. It's not a tangible building. But we are a spiritual house, a building of living stones uh, for the worship of God. And we are to offer a sacrifice, uh, our bodies, a living sacrifice to the Lord. And then we offer the, the, the thanksgiving of our lips and the praise of our hearts and 
And we do this as a building, spiritual building for the worship of the Lord. For the Father, he is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. We use the word of God because that's the truth. And we use the spirit, the Holy Spirit that God has given us. And that's how we worship God. We don't come there physic physically worshiping and jumping up and down and, and do. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a holy roller, but I am uh, a worshiper of God. And I do it in the spirit. I think it's a good way to end our chapter, too. You know, I, I, I love the Greek. Um, the uh, word that's translated in, in the spirit, that translated in can also be translated as by. And if you translate it as by, you read it, in whom you also are being built together for a habitation of God by the spirit. Mm -hmm. So it's not just in the spirit. That's great. Yeah. But it's by the spirit. The spirit is the building agent. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's by the spirit in the spirit, both ways. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to leave you, brothers. I'm uh well, we're at the end. We're at the end right now, so we're going to close in prayer. So, okay, uh, I'll close. Okay, thank you, Dan. Again, our God and Father, now we thank Thee for the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for us, the one who paid the price for our sins, the one in whom we have eternal life. And our Father, we just thank you for the Lord Jesus, the one who has put us nigh, brought us nigh. He's abolished the enmity between us and made of two one new body. And so, our Father, we thank you today for the church, the body of Christ, the building fitly framed. And we give you praise and glory. Pray for the brothers now. Pray for Ron and pray for Jim. Pray for Irv. Just go with them. Bless them. Watch over and care for them now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. I'm going to stop.